Morning Rosebauer. Let's all stand and begin singing worship songs and singing to God be the glory. enough for you, Jimmy Lockie. Right. Anytime we're dragging, you want to speed us up, just start clapping your hands. We're okay with that. Start clapping your hands. The old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was 
Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to Rosebower Baptist Church. We're excited to see you all here this morning. And especially if you're visiting with us, first time or it has been a while, we're excited that everyone's here, and we hope and pray that you are ready to hear a word from God. And, uh, hey, we're going to be looking at a, a verse here just in a moment as we continue with worship and God's Word. Uh, however, I want to, this verse is our new October memory verse, Okay. So uh, I'm going to read this here in a little bit and talk a little bit about it. But uh, these cards, you can grab one on your way out. They're at, at all the entrances here. But we, we really, uh, we don't just print these out so we can say, look, we're memorizing verses. We want to hide God's word in your heart. That's what we, what we want to do. And that's what our children's church is going to be talking about this morning. But also, uh, if you remember last week, we talked about Jesus being tempted by Satan. How did he fight Satan? With God's word. So if we have it hidden in our heart, it's right there with us, we're ready to fight. We're ready to take on Satan and the world, but the only way we can do that is if we have it with us. We have to be prepared. We're ready to go. So we're, uh, October memory verse is in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 27 through 29, and it reads, these are the words of Jesus. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Try to imagine a shepherd upon a grassy hill 
looking down over the valley. He's got his flock of sheep down there. He's looking. He's watching over them. He's scanning back and forth, looking for predators, looking for danger. And then he decides it's time to move on. He gets up. He hollers out. He calls out to the sheep. The whole time, they've been oblivious to he, he's even there. They're just grazing at the grass. But as soon as he speaks, as soon as he calls for them, they get their, he gets their attention. And what do they do? They follow him because they know his voice. Now imagine our shepherd, Jesus, on that old rugged cross, looking down upon us, his sheep, grazing, not even paying attention to him, oblivious to his presence. Hopefully, when he calls out, you recognize his voice. Hopefully, you are one of his sheep. And hopefully, you will follow him as he directs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the many blessings of the day. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and with your people and under the instruction of your word. And how awesome it is to be here today. Lord, I pray that you will join us, that you will take control of this time, that you will speak to our heart through song and word. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room will recognize your voice before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I know to, there's a heavy hearts here today. There's those that are amongst us that are sick, those that are on Facebook or watching live that, or maybe in the future, Lord, I, I, I just lift them all up to you and pray, God, that you will, you will help us seek you out and listen for your voice. Lord, I pray over these next few minutes that it's all about you and you get all the glory. And we pray all this in the precious, wonderful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand and continue in worship and join our voices together in praising God.
Amen. This next song we're going to sing is going to be the song of the month. We sang it last week for the first time. We're going to sing it again. Oh, Christ be magnified. And the chorus, super important. Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise from the altar of my life. Oh, Christ be magnified. So let's all sing it together. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry, then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Were the whole earth echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea and sky, from rivers to the mountain tops. We'd hear Christ be magnified. most melody and every human heart its native cry then in one enraptured hymn of praise we'll sing Christ be magnified no Christ be puts me in the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by feelings I hold fast to what is true and if the cross brings transformation then I'll be crucified with you cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life 
And if I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, let His praise arise. Christ be where the kids come forward and y'all are going to go to Children's Church. If you would like to sit, you may at this point. We've got one more song we're going to worship with.
upon his hand bearing all the guilt of sinful man god eternal humble to the grave jesus savior risen now to Father, we, we give you honor and glory and praise this morning for being so good to us, Lord, for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, Lord. Let us behold the cross. Let us recognize what the cross gives to us, Lord. Let us live our lives accordingly, giving you the honor and glory and the worship in our every step, Lord, of our life. Lord, we thank you for just pouring out your mercy on us, for showing us so much love and, and grace and forgiving us, Lord, where we, where we fall short and we're just not holy. Lord, you still love us. You still have your arms open for us to come walking into your, into your, your, your arms, your grasp, Lord. And Lord, you tell us that you'll never let go of us, Lord. Thank you for being faithful to us. Lord, I pray that you would draw us closer to you today through your word, Lord, that you'd make us more like you so that we can go out in this community around us where we live, where we work, and, Lord, that we can share your love and that same love and grace that you show us where we can show that to the lost world and draw them to you, where we can point them to you. Lord, help us to be the salt of the earth. Help us to be the light. Help us to be holy like you. Lord, we give you all the honor and glory this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we'll begin reading verse 31 in just a moment. Um, but as you're turning there, I want to share with you a few things. The first thing I want to share with you is uh, thank you so much uh, for your support and your help in our first annual charity softball game, our hometown heroes versus our Rosebar Renegades. 
Uh, it was an amazing night, had a great time of food and fellowship and fun. Um, I, I think Neil Ward was our best hitter. <laughs> That's what he told me anyway. Um, uh, and he was our fastest runner, believe it or not. Did you know that? He didn't run. He had Braden run for him, but that made him our fastest runner. Uh, but we had a wonderful night. It was a ton of fun. We was able to raise a little over $1,400 in order to go to the uh, building beds for kids in our community at Starfish Orphan Ministry. Uh, and so it was a wonderful night. And then the Hometown Heroes won 10 to 9. Uh, and so it was a great night and a great fun, and fortunately the rain held off and allowed us to get it in, and, and the kids had fun, and uh, nobody got hurt, uh, praise God for that. So it was a wonderful evening, and, and many of you missed out, and I'm sorry that I didn't explain it more, that it was really just a time of food and fellowship and fun and also giving to a good cause. Uh, because guess what? If we, would've, if we would've said, hey, Sunday night, 5.30 in the fellowship hall, we're going to have hamburgers and cheeseburgers, some of you would have showed up to that that didn't show up to the softball game and because we were having food. And but guess what? We did the same exact thing, but we did it at a ballpark, and we did it to raise money for a good cause. And so I didn't communicate that well, and some of you missed out on that, and I do apologize. Uh, but it went really well, and it was fun. The, the ballpark allowed us to utilize their field, and, and they were wonderful. And so it was a great night, and we thank you for your involvement in that. Um, and it, it turned out really well. And so then we had um, uh, last week I was away. Thank you for your uh, prayers for me as I was away in a race. It went really well, had wonderful weather, could not have went any better. Uh, I was able to finish in six hours and ten minutes. Um, and so it was, it was a good day. Now the professionals finished in about four hours. So they were a few hours ahead of me um, and things like that. They were pretty amazing uh, to see how fast that they were. Uh, but it, it was a, a load of fun, safe trip there and back that we praise God for, and we're so glad to be back with you today. And then this weekend, we were able to have a staff retreat, uh, and we was able to meet with our staff and praying and planning for 2022 and beyond, and we're excited about how God is moving, how He's working, how He's leading, and the things that He's going to do. Um, and so, uh, and then also, I want to share with you about our staff, because this is Staff Appreciation Month. Be in prayer for our staff as we are navigating COVID and beyond and how to minister effectively in the world that we're living in um, because the ways and the methods that we've always used and been able to count on are not able to use them like we once did. And so now we're having to look at new avenues and new ways to minister and to communicate and to care effectively to impact others because now we're living at a time if there's ever been a time in history when it's been easy to not be a christian anymore now's the time if there's ever been a time in history where it's been easy not to go to church anymore now's the time if there's ever been a time in history where we've been able to take a step back in our faith and just be able to blame COVID or something else then now's the time so it's very difficult to minister in the time we live in so pray for our staff Thankful for the staff that we here have here at Rosebar Baptist Church that love you dearly, love the Lord dearly, and we're so thankful for them and their ministry uh, here at Rosebar and the things that God is using them to do. Um, and so I want to share also, so Michael and Jimmy, um, they're our youth pastor, children's pastor. Um, today marks their, it's four years officially, but they've been serving in that role for five years. Um, they were interim for one year. Uh, and then they came on board uh, as official children's minister and youth minister. And so this is um, their four years officially and five years, but also they've been in the church for a lot longer than that. 
Jimmy's been over 50 years, and Jimmy's been, uh, and Michael's been thir- around 30-ish, I believe, 30, maybe more, 35, 35. So they've been around a long time. They're no strangers. Uh, but will you make it an effort to walk by and to tell them that you're praying for them and that you're thankful for them? You will not know how far that will go in their lives. What an encouragement you can be to them. Because I know they have been an encouragement to us. All of our staff, every Sunday, I'm encouraged by our staff. Um, The way that they lead with integrity, the way that they lead in love, the way that they care for our students, the way that they care for our children, the way that they care about leading worship. This leading worship is not just um, something that they're half-hearted about, but they're passionate about, of leading us to the Lord Jesus Christ to worship Him every Sunday morning is a big deal to Howie and the praise team. It's a big deal for Michael and his team to lead kids to know Jesus, love Jesus, serve Jesus, follow Jesus. It's a big deal to Jimmy for his youth to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of the life. I know that because I talk to them and this is what they're praying for. This is what they're praying for. For your family, for your friends, for your kids to come and know Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. And there is nothing we could do uh, to thank them more for their dedication and serving Rosebar Baptist Church than to pray for them and then just say thank you. Thank you. So if you'll do that throughout this month of October, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'll do that, will you shake your head yes? Okay, I got three of you. <laughs> thank you, Franklin. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so very much for that. Um, I wanted to thank you to our staff and to all of our, the ones that are serving. We are so thankful because guess what? Here's the next thing. You, walk, you drive through town, how many signs do you say, now hiring? <laughs> how many businesses in our area is fully staffed and have all the workers that they need? Zero, right? And guess what? When it comes to the church, I bet it's the same way. We've had less servants now than we probably had in many, many years, but we're still able to accomplish things. And so we're so thankful for the way that you serve and the way that you give and the way that you allow Rosebar to continue to minister to the community and beyond. All right. So John chapter 5, we're going to return to the book of John and our study, the Gospel of John. We took a little break. We had a memorial service for Brother Alex. And then last week I was going to race and Brother Michael was here and he shared with you. We're thankful for him doing that and, and leading us last week. And then this week, if you allow me, we're going to jump back into our text and we're going to look at beginning in verse 31 in just a moment. And I want to be honest with you this morning that this is a text that as I was reading and preparing, I really almost skipped over. That in my, in my thoughts is, hey, I can just summarize that in about five minutes, and then I can jump into John chapter 6 and talk about the feeding of the 5,000. And so that was somewhat my plan and my intention when I came to this passage. But as I began to read it, in order to summarize it, I began to learn that if there's any text that we don't need to skip over, it's this text. The text that we're about to read and study and to learn from is a text that is written that is Jesus that is speaking to the Pharisees, to the Jews, to the religious leaders of the day, to those who are well-versed, well-learned, well-trained in the Bible. He is speaking to religious people. And, but what he's ultimately sharing with them is that they are very well-versed when it comes to the Bible 
but they've missed the message the Bible was intended to share with them. That is, they missed Christ. They had studied the Bible, they learned the Bible, they memorized the Bible, but they missed the author and the hero of the Bible that was right before them, known as the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And I want us to think just for a moment what God began to convict me in my heart is this. Today in Paducah, Kentucky, there are a lot of religious people. There are a lot of people who know the Bible. There are a lot of people that can tell you about the Bible and stories of the Bible. There are a lot of people who have memorized many verses of the Bible. But could it be there are a lot of people that know about the Bible but don't truly know Christ? That they spend a lot of time studying because, see, here's where the Pharisees were. They felt like if they studied the Bible, that was their salvation. By their studying and knowing the Bible intellectually, that they were saved. But what Jesus has given us the word of God for in our possession, not so that we would grow intellectually, but that we would grow in a personal relationship with him. That's what he's trying to share with them, and it's going right over their heads. So if there's any text that I don't think we need to skip over today, I believe it's this one. So in verses um, 19 through 30, see this. So Jesus has just, let's do a little backtracking. Jesus has just claimed equality with God. That he said that God is my father. Not our father. My father. It was a personal. God is my father. And that he claimed equality with God. And this caused the Jews to become angry. So much so that they wanted to have him killed. Right? And so they're angry with him. And then in verses 19 through 30, he shares with them that he has been sent from the Father. And just as the Father raises the dead and gives life, that even so he, as the Son of God, will give life. And if they would believe in him, they would cross over from death unto life. That they are lost and they are in need of a Savior. But if they would believe in him as the Son of God, the Messiah, that they would cross from death unto life. And they would have life and life everlasting. That's what he's sharing with them. But he says this, if you don't and you continue in your sins, then the judgment of God and the wrath of God will come upon you for all of eternity. For judgment will come, and the judgment that will come is not an unfair judgment. The judgment that will come is not an unjust judgment. It is fair, it is good, and it is right because He is a holy, perfect, righteous God. And if anyone continues in their sins, in the moment when they meet God, at the end of this life, they will experience judgment for all eternity. And then he transitions into this courtroom setting, which is what we're going to read about here in verse 31. So if you'd be willing, will you stand to your feet as we read the Word of God? It says this, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, 
The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are, the very th- these, and these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let us pray. Lord, we pray now by the power of your Spirit, God, that you would grant us understanding wisdom but lord jesus i pray in this moment as we have read from your word that we get a glimpse of you may you reveal yourself in these passages in a greater way where we come this morning and we stand in awe of you a great holy almighty perfect righteous god and we pray in this time that you'd bind satan from this place and that you'd have your will in your way and that you'd speak life and encouragement to the lives of this your people For it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So we're going to begin this morning and we see Jesus entering into this courtroom setting. I don't know if any of you enjoy TV shows about courtroom settings like Law and Order. Uh, It was really fascinating to me to see the lawyers and the tactics and um, all of the laws that you have to follow and things of that nature that I would watch that show a lot, find it really fascinating, really interesting. So uh, if you like those type of shows, you'll definitely like this scripture where Jesus is in this courtroom setting that he is sharing with the Jews and ultimately uh, some of these Pharisees and religious people. What happens is Jesus himself or Jesus puts himself on trial before the religious and before this crowd. And what the trial is to prove is that he's telling the truth, that he is who he said he was, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who brings life and life eternal. What he's doing is he's playing by their rules. In this particular day, One witness was not enough to prove a man of his innocence or prove a man of his guilt. You had to have more than just one witness. You had to have more than just one eyewitness account. There had to be multiple in order to prove guilt or prove innocence. So Jesus, not having to, because guess what? The burden of proof is not on Jesus. The burden of proof is on them who says, No, you're not the Son of God. No, you're not the Messiah. You're not the one that we've been waiting for. The burden of proof is not on Jesus. Jesus' walk proves that he is Jesus, right? And let me share with you, the same is true in a lost and dying world that we're living in today. Constantly, the world around tries to put the burden of proof of Jesus and Christianity on us, saying, prove that these scriptures are true. 
But the truth is, the burden of proof is not on us. The burden of proof is on them. Prove that he wasn't Jesus. Prove that he didn't raise from the dead. Show me a body. Right? They've never found the body. And isn't it? The Muslim faith is the, the, the ones that blows me away the most. Is that literally, in the Old Testament, 300 prophecies that have been fulfilled in the New Testament in the life and the work and the witness of Jesus Christ. 300 and they will try to point out one at the end of Mark chapter 2 that they said, and, and it's the prophecy of saying Jesus was prophesied to be a Nazareth, and what they will ask is where does it say that he was prophesied to be a Nazareth? Isn't it amazing? Out of 300 fulfilled prophecies, they want to try to say, prove this one? What about the other 325 that have been fulfilled that is easily, historically, undisputably, undeniably true that you can see? The burden of proof is not on Christians. The burden of proof is not upon Jesus. The burden of proof is on a lost and dying world. Prove that he's not who you said he is. Prove that he's not Jesus. Prove that he didn't uh, live a perfect, righteous life. Die the death that we deserve to die on the cross of Calvary. Placed in a borrowed tomb and on the third day rise again. Prove it. They can't do it. So instead, they try to put it on us and say, you prove that he is. But fortunately, we have the word of God. And we can share a lot of all of these prophecies that have been fulfilled. We can share about Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the proof of Jesus who lives in us today. We have uh, all the truth that we need to prove that it's true. So Jesus, not having to, but playing by our rules, Puts himself on trial. And as he does, he shares with them four key witnesses. All right? Four key witnesses. The first one I want you to see here, he brings up as a witness is John the Baptist himself. That's the first witness. He begins with John the Baptist. We know John the Baptist. He came preparing the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Is Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? And what they also, did you notice in that passage where it's saying that they received John the Baptist very well? What that means is this. When, Jesus, when John the Baptist came prophesying about the Messiah, who was now here, that was his uh, prophesying message, the Messiah is now here. All right, he's saying, the, he's saying the Messiah is not one who is to come, the Messiah is the one who is here. That was his message. And all of the people in the crowds were beginning to grow. They were excited about the message that John the Baptist was sharing. That they were all of these Jews and all of these religious were like, Yes, the one that we've longed for, the one that we expected, the one that we were looking for, he is finally here. And there's this great excitement initially when John the Baptist began to tr share the truth about Jesus. That was until they met Jesus. And then these same crowds that were excited about the Jesus, the Messiah, the one that was to come, who is now here, when they saw Jesus, he didn't fit what they thought he should look like, and their excitement began to dwindle. That he didn't come riding on a white horse. He didn't come as a conqueror. He didn't come as a soldier. He come as a meek, lowly servant. And he didn't meet the criteria that they had in mind. So their excitement quickly dwindled and actually went to anger. And they wanted to have him killed. So John the Baptist is the first witness. And he's telling them, 
that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It says that John the Baptist was a lamp that was burning. Notice it says the lamp, but he's not the light, right? Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light and the life of all men is what the Bible says. So John comes as a lamp preparing the way, pointing to Jesus. So that's the first witness he brings up. <clears throat> the second witness is his works. His works. That is, all of the miracles and the signs and the wonders that he performed in his life. You don't believe John the Baptist and his message? Then what about all these works? What about the time when I, I made the blind see again? And I caused the lame man to walk. I, I calmed the seas and I calmed the storms. I caused, uh, I caused the man who was dead to come alive again. I give life to the dead. How can you explain it any other way that I am Jesus? Who else has this power? Who else has this ability? He witnesses his works. And what we learn in Scripture is these powerful miracles that Jesus performed are signs ultimately to reveal that he is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what they are there for. They're not just so that we'll believe. They're not just so we'll learn more about Jesus, although they do that. What they are meant to do is to point that he is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Think of it this way. The miracles in themselves are not what's so important. They're pointing to Jesus who's important. So, this week is fall break. Many people going on vacation, going to maybe Florida and the beach. They get in their car and they're heading down to Florida. And then they enter into the state of Florida and they see this sign, Welcome to the state of Florida. They don't get out of their car, set up campsite around that state of Florida sign, do they? No. Right, that's just a sign pointing them that you're coming to Florida. And, and this is Florida. You've now entered Florida. Well, that's what the miracles were for Jesus. They were a signpost that were pointing to Jesus saying, He is the Messiah. He can't be anyone else. He's the Messiah. They're a signpost. Just like we use signs for directions on the road. We're, we're going to Nashville where it says Nashville 120 miles. Nashville, 77 miles. Nashville, 45 miles. Nashville, 15 miles. That's what the miracles were. A signpost saying, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. That's what he's saying. They witnessed and testified that I am the Christ. So John the Baptist was a witness. His works and his miracles were a witness. And then number three, the Father was a witness. That is, God the Father was a witness. It was his Father himself who said when Jesus was being baptized with a loud voice, this is my Son, whom I'm in well pleased. God the Father himself said, this is my Son. But then he goes on and says in this passage, if they don't know the Father, speaking to the Jews, speaking to the religious, he says, you don't know the Father. And you don't know the Father's voice. And the reason why I know you don't know the Father and you don't know the Father's voice because if you knew the Father and believed in the Father, then you would believe in me because I'm the one whom He sent. And you don't believe I'm the one He sent, so that means you don't know the Father. You don't know His voice. Remember Michael talked about earlier about, about the sheep knowing the shepherd's voice? The same way with believers, they'll know the Father's voice and they'll follow Him. That's why He's saying you don't know the Father. Because his voice, his very voice said, I'm the son and you still don't believe. 
And the reason why he knows this is because they refuse to believe that he is the Messiah. And then witness number four. Witness number four, and that is the word. And I'm going to lump these two witnesses, these last two witnesses together, if that's okay with you. That is Moses and the word. Um, and refer to it as a witness of the word. Here he's speaking to the people who knew the Bible forwards and backwards. He's speaking to scholars of Scripture that if they were in our day, they would have graduated seminary and they would have PhDs upon PhD upon PhD. They knew the Bible. They memorized the Bible. They could tell you everything about the Bible. He says, you have studied them diligently. Speaking to his crowd, the religious, you have studied them diligently because you think they have eternal life. You are a scholar. You say you know Scripture. But these very scriptures tell you about me. And I, the author and the hero of scripture, am right before you. And you refuse to believe that I am the Christ. You refuse to believe that I am the Messiah. You may be well learned. You may be well versed. You may be religious. But you have missed the very message the scripture was meant to share with you. You missed it. You've missed it. The very reason why you have the scripture is you miss the point. And I want us to think about that just for a moment. Let that set in for a moment. These Jewish leaders, Pharisees, well-versed, well-trained, well-learned, know the Bible forward and backwards, but they don't know Jesus. What a warning that is for us today. What a caution that is for us today. That it is actually possible to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to memorize the Bible, to love the Bible, and not truly, genuinely know Christ. Just think about it just for a moment. Like here we are 2,000 years removed from Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Jesus himself was standing right before them. And they missed him. Is it possible that on this side of the resurrection, for someone to read the Bible, know the Bible, love the Bible, be very religious, and miss the author and the hero of Scripture? And the answer is yes. If they are able to miss them in this day when Jesus is walking among them right before their very eyes, seeing and witnessing the miracles and the works of Jesus, and they still denied him, is it possible for people today to be very religious, to be very well learned, to be very well trained, and miss Jesus? How heartbreaking that really is. Because get this, the entire Bible is about Jesus. You see, some people think today that the Bible is about us. That we try to find ourselves in the Bible all the time. And we try to insert ourselves in the Bible all the time. That I'm this character, I'm that character. But get this, the Bible is not about us. The Bible is for us. But the Bible is about Jesus. 
From cover to cover, the Bible is about Jesus, is pointing to Jesus, revealing to us Jesus, making us look at Jesus, revealing His glory, His power, His authority, His greatness, His goodness, His mercy, His love. The Bible is not about us, it's about Jesus. From the beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus. But if we're not careful, we can read this book, we can study this book, we can know this book, and not know Jesus. So for me, this is a caution. This is a caution because the people he's speaking to is people just like me. The ones he's calling out is people just like me. And so for me, this is a warning, and for me, this is a caution that may we never get caught up in missing Jesus as we study the Bible. And this was such a good word for me today, and I, I hope, and it can be a good word for you, because get this, you know, I study the Bible on a regular basis, and I'm always studying the Bible for sermons, and I'm always studying to tell other people about the Bible, and if I'm not careful, I can study the Bible in order to get something out of it and miss the Jesus that is represented before me in Scripture. How could that be? Sometimes we go to Scripture looking for instructions. Sometimes we go to Scriptures looking for practical applications. Sometimes we go to Scripture for intellectual knowledge. But see, when we go to Scripture, it's not for intellectual knowledge. It's not for a to-do list. It's not for practical application. We go to Scripture to get more of Christ, to be in awe of Christ, to become in contact with the author and the creator of life itself, the author and sustainer of this world that every time we get into his word if we're not meeting with him first that's what it's primarily about yes it will give us a practical application yes it will give us instruction yes it will tell us what to do and what not to do it will do all of those things we will grow intellectually and know more about God absolutely but primarily the word of God is so that we may know him more and be in a personal relationship with him and to be in all of him and to worship him that's what the word is for. And it's so easy to miss it if we're not careful. And I'm speaking to myself because this was such a good word. I can't tell you because every single day I'm in a reading group. And every single day we're reading a chapter and we're asking the question, what is God speaking to you today? And so many times I'm just reading through trying to find something that God is teaching me. When a lot of times God is not trying to teach me. He's trying to be with me trying for me to grow in that relationship with him and to know him in a better way and to experience his peace and his comfort and his mercy and his love and only a way of getting into his word and knowing him better this book is a hymn book not like the hymn book that you have there in your pew but a h-i-m book it's all about him it's all about Jesus. From the Old Testament and New Testament, it's all about Jesus. It's constantly pointing to him. And what he's sharing, so he talks about Moses, right? Here's what it was. They loved Moses dearly because Moses was the mediator between God and a sinful man. And so they loved Moses. They looked up to Moses. And, and ultimately, it was Moses that gave them the Ten Commandments and the law that they're to live by. And so he says, Moses is a witness of me. You see, they love Moses dearly. 
What he's saying is Moses was a witness of me. He is the one that gave you the law. The very intention of the law was to show you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That's the law's purpose. The law's purpose was never meant to save anyone. The law never had the power, never had the ability, and still does not have the power or the ability to save anyone. The purpose of the law is to reveal our sin-sick nature and we are not righteous and we are in need of a Savior. That's what the law is meant to do. The law is meant to be like a mirror. You know, when you look into a mirror, it reveals who you really are, how you really look. That's what the law does. That as we have the law, we quickly realize that we can't fulfill the law. <laughs> that we are sinners. And so that's what the law reveals. We are sinners. <laughs> and we are in need of a Savior. And that Savior that we need is Jesus. And this Jesus comes and does what no man can do. He lives the perfect righteous life. He had no sin, knew no sin, committed no sin. So in the case, get this, so let's think about Jesus in the law. The law didn't save Jesus, right? Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law, so the law didn't save Jesus. What the law did for Jesus was reveal that Jesus is perfectly righteous. And so it revealed that He is who He said He was, that He is the Son of God because no one is righteous. No, not one. There is none that is good. No, not one. And so for Jesus to fulfill the law, it revealed that He was righteous. Jesus didn't need to be saved. He was perfect. He was righteous. And so that's what it revealed for Him. And what it reveals for us is that we need Him. That we need this Jesus. He is the Son of God, the Messiah, that we're supposed to be looking for. But instead, they put their hopes in Moses. Rather than the one that Moses wrote about. Remember what Moses wrote about? There will come a deliverer. There will come a redeemer. That's what Moses said. He was pointing to Jesus. But instead, they were caught up with Moses. So in this passage, Jesus is inviting the Jews. And as he's inviting the Jews, he's inviting us. But what he's inviting them to do is to see the law like they've never seen it before. Up until now, they saw the law as a way of salvation. Do these things, do these deeds in order to be saved. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Don't see the law as an avenue of salvation. See the law as a mirror that reveals your sin-sick nature. That from birth you are born sinful in need of a Savior. And turn to Jesus. The only one that can save you from your sins. Look to Jesus. The only one that has the power to give you life and life eternal. Jesus said the law is nothing more than a tutor that is teaching you that you are a sinner. And in order to enter the kingdom of God, you do not need to do, but you need to believe. Believe in Christ for salvation. So Jesus, not having to prove his identity, the burden of proof was not upon him, but he shares with him undeniable, undisputable evidence that he is in fact the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who takes away the sin of any man, woman, boy, or girl who will confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead shall be saved. And that truth causes us to worship him in even a greater way. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time together in your house with your people.
And we pray now, as your word has went forward, we pray that it will not return void. Lord, we know that's your promise, and we know that is the truth. So, Lord Jesus, if we've gathered in your house with your people and we've opened your word and we've sing praises to your holy name and we've asked you to move and to work and to speak to hearts and to lives, and Lord Jesus, I pray now that we would respond in a way that is pleasing to you. And the scripture and the text today, our only rightful response is to worship you. Is to worship you. Give praise, honor, and glory to your holy name. For you are the perfect, for Jesus is the perfect righteous sacrifice that has been sacrificed for our sins on the cross of Calvary that we may have life and life eternal. For Jesus is the only way that we can be forgiven. For Jesus is the only way that we can experience the presence of Christ for all of eternity in your glory. And so today we worship you. We give praise to your holy name. And God, I pray that you lift our hearts and lift our spirits to you this morning. And may we, like the song we sang this morning, may you be magnified in us, in the life that we live. And Lord Jesus, I pray for the one who is here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that maybe they're like the Jews and maybe they're like the Pharisees, that they know a lot about the Bible. They've read a lot of Bible stories. They even love the Bible. But they don't fully have a right relationship with you and they are not in that personal relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I pray that today is the day that you convict them from their sins, draw them to yourself, that they may know you before it's everlasting too late. For we pray this in the most powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Will you stand with me and respond in a way that's pleasing to the Lord? Will you worship Him this morning? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in
seated. We thank you so much for your kind attention this morning, for your presence in God's house. May God bless you. Uh, but Ann, if you want to come forward just for a moment. This is Ian, and he's no stranger to us here at Rosebar Baptist Church. He's just grown about a foot or two over the last year, uh, so it's not a different guy. It's the same Ian, uh, just growing. And he comes this morning, and he says that he has repented of our sins and has placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been a few weeks ago, but he's coming in and making that proclamation here with you, and he wants to be baptized. Amen. Amen. And so, yeah, give the Lord a hand for his saving work. And so be in prayer for Ian over days going forward because Satan's going to be working on him, right? He's going to be attacking him. And so be in prayer for him. Reach out to Ian and, and send him, uh, check on him, love on him, minister to him at this time because if he's ever needed us before, he needs us now, right? And so we want to come alongside Ian and, and help with the discipleship process and that he's walking with the Lord faithfully. That's our greatest goal and desire, right? Make disciples of all nations. So we're going to get with Mom and we're going to find, uh, and Scott, and find a time that will be great to have him baptized here at Rosebier. So we're excited about that. Be in prayer on the days going forward. Right. Thank you, sir. You may be seated. And uh, I know we've been, um, so we've been walking through for a couple years now this idea of who's your one campaign? Who is someone on your heart and your mind that is far from the Lord Jesus Christ that doesn't know him as Lord and Savior? And begin to pray for them, tell them about Jesus, serve them, love on them. I can probably say, this is Lori's one. One of them, anyway, that she's been praying for. And isn't it amazing what God does when we pray? And then how he is still in the saving business and he's still working. Looking to save hearts, save souls, and change lives today. So don't ever think for a moment that God is not hearing your prayers. No matter how far they may be from the Lord, how close they may be to the Lord, God is hearing your prayers, and he is still working actively among us today. Don't get disheartened. Don't get downtrodden. Because I, I know, I mean, for me personally, we as the elders, we began meeting two and a half, three years ago. And we decided to meet Sunday mornings right before the service for the sole purpose of praying for lost people to be saved. And for three years, we went on, and people were getting saved, but not necessarily right here. And so, Ian, part of our prayer has been for you for three years now, that you would know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And we're so thankful to hear answered prayers that God saves souls. And there's been some time over three years we were a little downtrodden of we've been praying. I mean, we we're earnestly praying down on our knees, crying out to the Lord Jesus, save souls, change lives. But don't you ever think for a moment he doesn't hear don't you think for a moment that he can't and he won't or he's done because he's still moving, he's still working, and he's active today. Amen. I want to share with you a few announcements and we'll be dismissed. Um, baby shower, October the 10th, 2 to 4 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall for Ryan and Megan Mathis. They are registered at Target and Dillard's. Um, and so that is next Sunday in the Fellowship Hall from 2 to 4. It is a baby girl. Is that correct? Yes. Be careful with that. Um, we're so thankful for the babies that we've got coming here at Rosebier. Um, and then also, if you would like to donate some paper supplies for River City Missions, you can do that. You're doing a great job. Continue. We're going to do that through October, and we'll get that to them. And then also, um, we've got to, uh, 
this Requiem block party. You're probably saying, what the heck is Requiem? Requiem is a church plant in Alton, Illinois. And we're going to be sharing more about them in the days going forward. They're going to plant a church in Alton, Illinois, that's close to St. Louis, uh, in April-ish of 2022. And we have been connected with them through the North American Mission Board. That's how we got connected with Net Community. And so we are going to go up there and help them serve a block party on October the 16th uh, from 8 a.m. We'll leave the church at 8 a.m., probably return to the church at 10 p.m. It's about a three-hour drive. We're going to go from 1 to 6 is that block party, and then we'll clean up and we'll come on home. Um, and, and mainly carnival games, we're doing some ki- things for the kids. Um, and so if you would like to go with us, we'd invite you, please. We're going to have a sign-up sheet for you to sign up. Let us know, and we will tell you more information about that. Um, And then also you'll see there on the Boys and Girls Extreme Sunday School classes, October 17th. This is for grades 1st through 6th. We're excited about it. Uh, We're going to be um, diving into the Bible. It's going to be really good. So if you can, at all possible, have your kids there, 1st through 6th grade. Boys and Girls Extreme class, they're together. Um, And it's going to be a wonderful day. I'll tell you more as we go. And then also fall break, which is this week. There's no Awana, but also there's going to be no midweek service, no Bible study on our Wednesday night. Um, and for this October the 6th, no for services October the 6th. Uh, if you have any questions about that, please let me know. But if you'll stand to your feet, we're going to be dismissed today. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, pray that you have a wonderful week. Be careful this week, and we will see you Sunday morning uh, at 1030. Today? Choir practice today at 4 p.m. in the sanctuary. See Howie for more details.